Hey, this is Adam Penapinto. I'm the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining with us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a part of our Hope Covenant Church family, we would love to connect with you via social media on all social media outlets or on our website, hopecovenant.cc. I hope this word encourages, inspires, and challenges you in your daily walk with God as we dig deeper into his word. Let's jump right into today's message. We're going to play a video. This was done at a pastor's conference, so there's some things that are said to pastors here, but as I was listening to this video, it really grabbed my attention, and I, it's applicable to every person, not just pastors, so know that, um, but it was done at a pastor's conference, and uh, and it was it's, it's a powerful, powerful, powerful word. It's just a, a three-minute clip, and then I'm going to get into the message. It's one of my heroes, actually probably my top hero named David Wilkerson, if you're not familiar with him. I just want to talk to you about the cost of a fresh anointing. Jesus said the Father anointed him to preach the gospel. When I hear it, I know that it's a man or woman that's touched God. And when I hear it, I'm convicted. When I hear it, I'm moved. When I hear it, I know I'm driven to my knees. And there's such a weightiness about it that I can't ignore it. I have to deal with it. You see, God does not give the anointing to lazy preachers, lazy Christians. He won't do it. There's a cost to the anointing where you will never again be satisfied as long as you live without seeing God at work in you and walking with you. And I had to travel all over the United States Promoters got a hold of it, Christian promoters, and I, I, I traveled for, I think, two months, t- national television, radio television, and it went around the world, and I became what some would call famous. I know what it's like to have the anointing, and I know when it's lifted. I know when I don't have it. I know when the death moves in, and folks, I got so busy that there's no hunger, there's no brokenness, there's no cry. When I go into the scriptures, I look at men that God has used, and there's always been a cry. Jeremiah said, I engaged my heart to seek the Lord. And you'll find that there was a cry. There is nothing worse that I can think of for a man of God or a woman of God than to lose the anointing of God and be dead and have the knowledge that something is wrong. I was known around the world as a man of God and yet growing lukewarm and cold in my heart. That every kind of temptation out of hell, the devil's saying, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to kill your minister. I'm taking you down. You see, when you don't have this touch, this anointing, and if you are not shut in with God, and you're not serious about the things of God, and you're happy with the status quo, you have this inner struggle how do i get back how do i get this anointing how how do i are are you examining your heart like i had to do it's not enough to be called i'm still called god still loved me i think that all true ministry comes out of intimacy i say it again all true ministry no it comes out of intimacy with christ because the lord said you know the cost you know what it's going to take seeking my face Ezra set his heart to seek the face of God Nehemiah he 
years of destruction happened in Jerusalem. And the Bible says he was overcome with grief and he set his heart to seek God. He set his heart. And you'll find it all through the Old Testament. He set his heart. Because you're going to have to make up a mind when you get in your 50s or 60s or you're just going to retire and you're going to take it easy. God can't allow anybody to retire anymore from the ministry. If you've ever been touched, you've ever been anointed of God, you don't have time. You've got to say, God, use me. I don't care where you send me. I don't care where you want me to go, but I'm not going out with my spirit drained. I'm not going out a dry stick. I want the anointing. I want the touch of God. It feels like every single week there's a new preacher, a new pastor, a new somebody that's falling into sin that's getting exposed on national platforms right now. We're all shocked. We shouldn't be shocked because it says that in the end times you're going to see the hearts of many grow cold. My prayer is that I would pastor a church that would be countercultural. My hope is that I would provoke you this morning with the cost of the anointing and Scripture's so clear about it. There's so much he said there. It's the busyness of life, I feel like, is the trap of the enemy right now. We've got social media. We've got TV. We've got Netflix. We've got Hulu. We've got all these things to distract us now. And America doesn't need God anymore. And we're wondering why there's a problem. We've fallen far from the Lord. In churches, we're more excited about the production value and the transitions that are perfect between song to song and everybody's jeans have to be a certain tightness or a certain bagginess or everybody has to look a certain way. It's funny at some level and it's really sad on another because we're more concerned about the peripheral. We're more concerned about relevance than reverence and the fear of God is gone. And we wonder why our nation is in the trouble it's in. I hear Christians criticizing the president of the United States instead of looking at their own life and what's wrong and why we are in the condition that we're in. We have to take ownership of this. Each of us have to take responsibility. It's the apostate church. It's the condition of the cold heart of the church is what that means, which is why we are where we are. And I'm trying to speak to a church that would say, God, wake me up this morning. We're angry with everybody else and we've dismissed ourselves and given ourselves excuses. Lord, we need to look at ourselves this morning. A.W. Tozer said, the final test of love is obedience. Listen, the fear of the Lord is important, but the love of God is what draws me to want to please him. The love of my wife is what draws me to want to please her. Not sweet emotions, not willingness to sacrifice, not zeal, but obedience to the commandments of Christ. How many of you have seen somebody who's new to the Lord and they're like, they're all jumpy about it and they're really full of zeal. And then you look two weeks later and there's like, they want nothing to do with him. It's because they had a savior, but they didn't have a Lord. Everybody wants a savior, but a Lord telling me what to do. Now that's the test of, am I going to really lay down the rebellion in my heart? Because we all have it. Or am I going to turn to him? 
David Wilkerson said in that video that all true ministry comes out of intimacy. Could you imagine if we displayed signs and wonders and miracles, how many would come to the Lord when we could introduce you to a living God rather than talk about a man that we have to imagine in our minds? And half of us don't have character that we're displaying that even introduces you to the character of God, which is why we've lost the anointing. What brings that back is the fear of the Lord. The anointing is very simply God's touch on your life that takes your gifting and gives you supernatural ability to do what you can't in your natural ability. That's what the anointing is. Some of you go, I don't know how to not look at pornography. Well, maybe you need to start praying. It's hard to look at pornography when you're in a place of prayer. Right? But how do I get the anointing? Psalms 24 verses 3 to 4 in the Passion Translation says this, who then is allowed, allowed, in other words, given permission to ascend the mountain of Yahweh, the hill of the Lord. And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place, into his presence? Those who are clean and whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by truth. Those who never deceive, whose words are sure. When you're striving to become more like Jesus and you ask him to give you his anointing, he will. It's very simple. How do I get this anointing? How do I get this supernatural touch of God? You get on your knees and you say, Lord, I need you to touch me. Lord, I thank you for, for you, and you and and the fact that you saved me and, and rescued me. And now, Father, I want to submit to your lordship, your ways, what the scripture says, what the Bible says about how I'm supposed to live. I'm willing to count the cost. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 25. I'll read this out of the Passion, the New Living, and the New King James. Because all of these, ver- all of these versions have different revelations of this verse. This is Jesus talking. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you truly want to follow me, you should at once completely reject and disown your own life. Wow. That sounds like lordship to me. Now I'm not doing what I want to do. It's not Burger King anymore. I can't have it my way. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own. We complain when the temperature isn't right in our churches. Oh, the volume's not perfect. It's too loud. It's not loud enough. We want everything our way. Must be willing to share the cross. Experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves... You'll forfeit what you try to keep. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. This is so stupid. That's what I read. Matthew 16, verses 24 to 25 in the New Living, that Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up the cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll actually save it. Now out of the New King James, last version right here, 16, 24 to 25, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up my cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. 
but whoever loses it for my sake actually finds my will. I'm here this morning to say, God, with, I'm willing to abandon everything this morning. I've really searched my heart this week. I have given more tears over the preparation of this message than I even knew was possible. Asking God, Lord, squeeze anything out of me. And it's a dangerous prayer because he'll do what you ask him to do. Saying, Lord, show me the blackheads that are in my, my face. That when I look at you face to face, you're like, you need to get rid of that. Luke's account of this verse, this is amazing because that was Matthew that we just read. Now this is Luke. Jesus said to all of his followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. Embrace my cross as your own and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving your lives for my glory, you will discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you'll lose what you try to keep. Because the anointing is going to cost you everything. The church likes to talk about the free gift that this is. But we don't talk about the cost. And we wonder why people fall off the wagon because we pitched it as free. And it is free. The gift is free. That's true. But it'll cost you everything once you accept the free gift. It's kind of like when you get a call about your timeshare. <laughs> like, oh, you got a four-day trip for free. You're going to love it. It's going to be great. And then you pay for that timeshare for the rest of your life until you can get out of it, if you can get out of it. We've got commercials about attorneys to try to get you out of it. It's kind of a funny analogy, but it was something I was thinking about this week. Like, yeah, we pitched this as a free gift, and it is, but there's a cost for the anointing. And it's him and her that would live holy. The anointing, it's expensive. It requires a continuous journey of sanctification and surrender. And I want to highlight that, that this is a journey. It's not a perfect thing immediately. This is a journey. We learn, and as we fall in love with Jesus, the more you fall in love with Jesus is the more you're convicted about these things. My question is, are you falling in love with Jesus? Are you giving yourself the opportunity in his presence to fall in love with Jesus? Hard to fall in love with somebody you never spend time with. That'll preach right there. That was free. It wasn't in my notes. We see a lot of people desiring the anointing. However, not many are willing to pay the price. I had somebody that years ago saw me leading worship and they were like, man, I just, you know, I I love what you have. And can you mentor me in this? And I said, you know, you've got the, the music, you've got the music side of things down. You could do it. But what you don't have is a holy lifestyle. And that's where you're seeing me. I'm really not the greatest musician in the world, but I really try to baptize myself in the anointing before I walk up here because I know how great of a keyboard player is and I know how great of a keyboard player Thomas is who's sitting here on the front row who's a way better keyboard player than me. That's actually a reality, just so y'all know. But I'm doing this because I want his presence. Sometimes I'm faking it till I make it. I've been faking it for a long time. But the anointing, check this out. It, when you get this anointing, when you ask God for this anointing, what ends up happening, and a lot of times when we see that life becomes difficult, we're actually making it difficult because of our disobedience. But the anointing 
breaks yokes. Yokes are the weights and the troubles of life. It breaks bondages off of us. When we get into the presence of God, again, this is a process, but when we say, Lord, I need you to cleanse me. I need you to purify me. I need you. I need to feel you again. God, it's, there's been something between us. What do I do? You repent in his presence and you're encouraging that. And all of a sudden, and I'm not telling you it's going to be perfectly easy, but you will feel that weight break off of you because you'll feel your conscience start to clear out. That's what happens there. But brokenness is key to seeing the anointing of God. What's brokenness? True brokenness means that you're crushed by sin. It means that sin offends you. If sin doesn't offend you, we got a problem. I posted this week, if correction offends you, and sin doesn't, we have a massive issue. There's a problem. A brokenness sets you free of things in this world that don't matter, and it fixes your eyes on Jesus where it belongs, where your eyes belong on Jesus. Church, we've gotten our eyes off of Jesus, and we're wondering why it's difficult. We start to strive and do things in our own strength when we get our eyes off of Jesus. The enemy starts whispering lies in our ears. It's going to be difficult. You're not going to make it. It's going to end. This is the end. You can't do it anymore. You're going to fall flat on your face. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If I would just get into the anointing, God will do it. The growth of this church this year, it started happening big time. You know what happened? Me as your pastor, I got to a place where I was like, God, I don't care. It's your church. It's your problem. Either grow it or I just kill it. Do one or the other. But I'm, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to hang on to the last word that you gave me. I'm going to hang on. 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 I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. And then all of a sudden this year the anointing comes in. Go figure. Scripture actually works. Some of you that are hanging on to the promises of God going, I don't know what to do. Just stay faithful. Well, I've been faithful. Just keep staying faithful. Just keep doing it. There's a cost. Brokenness sets you free of things in this world that don't matter, and it fixes your eyes on Jesus. True brokenness, when you get broken, it fixes the kingdom mindset of what actually matters, kingdom things, like ministering to people rather than obsessing about our careers. Guys, this life is but a breath. We're going to sneeze, and all of a sudden, we're going to be with the Lord. And I'm seeking God. To holy, we're actually going to do a song about the Lord's return. We're going to do it on Easter. I'm really excited about it. I was weeping over it last night when I was listening to it. It's a new song. It's on the new Passion album that was released. If you haven't gotten it, go get it. It's good. But there's, there's, there's a day where we're going to see him face to face. And we're actually, when we see him face to face, there's going to be an examination of like how we live this life. That's actually going to happen. And I try to roll the tape every day and say, God, did I do everything I could to bring as many people to you as I possibly could? When you get close to the Lord, when the anointing touches you, you have the heart that God has and the things that matter to God all of a sudden matter to you supernaturally. One moment in God's presence can do what I can't do with my entire lifetime of speaking to you. If I could just introduce you to God and get you to encounter him, man, it changes everything because you've caught it now. 
There's no university that can catch you. They teach you, but they can't, they can't get you to that caught moment. Oh, I caught it now. That's why we spend time marinating. That's why you caught in worship where it was like some of y'all got restless. You started like moving your legs and stuff when it got quiet and nobody was singing. What happens in that moment is there's a stirring of heaven on earth. You start to feel the Lord. And if you're, if you're not in a position where you're used to that, you get nervous. And we become a nation that's constantly doing and constantly busy. And the busyness has killed the anointing. But brokenness is a result of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? The awe and the wonder of God, the respect, the reverence for God. It's not that we're afraid of him. It's, it's the fear of the Lord, the, the reverence of God, we'll call it. The wisest people you will meet are broken people because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true wisdom. It says in Proverbs 9:10, the fear of the Lord is the foundation. It's the very foundation of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If your judgment is a little askew, you might want to check your fear of the Lord factor. But brokenness is key to possessing the anointing. In Acts 4, 4 verses 13 to 14, the council members, and this, these were studied priests basically, were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men. Can we pause right there? They were just ordinary men, Peter and John. Just ordinary guys. How many of you were just an ordinary guy, an ordinary girl? Woman, man, whatever. Just, they were just ordinary people, but check this out. So they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered they were ordinary men who had never had religious training. They didn't, they didn't go through university. They didn't go through the seminary. And they began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Isn't it amazing? I would rather have somebody that just spends time with Jesus than somebody who goes through seminary or Christian college. Just spend time. I need somebody who carries the anointing, the presence. You need to smell like you were just burned by the presence of God. And that's the problem is we have more training in the pulpits than people who are spending time with God. Which is why I can promise you I am not the most eloquent speaker in the world. I listen to Stephen Furtick and I go, Jesus, do some of that in me. Even the physique. You know I was going there. I don't have the spray tan. But what I can tell you is I'm burned by the presence of the Lord. And that's all I have. And it's all I want. It's all I want. I want God to purge out of me everything that he wants to. Lord, do it. And trust me, he will. God, expose it. Oh, he will. And it's not fun in the moment. But when you go through the process, the refining fire, it's wonderful in the end. Are you willing to go through the fire this morning? That's the cost. And then standing there with them was the healed man. This is verse 14. And there was nothing further they could say. In other words, they demonstrated miracles, Peter and John. These council members had all the training, but they weren't demonstrating miracles. Peter and John were because they were spending time with Jesus and he rubbed off on them. 
And these religious folks who had all the training and they knew all the knowledge. What does the Bible say about knowledge? It puffs up, right? But the anointing leads to brokenness. Think about it. Knowledge puffs up. The anointing leads to brokenness. I need some of y'all to study the word, but get in the presence of God where you could get broken. You need brokenness. Because I want to carry it. I don't want to talk about it. This is what it takes to see a church of the supernatural. We talk about how we want to see signs and wonders and miracles. There's a cost for that. There's a cost for that. And the more broken we become, the more we fear God, the more we follow his ways is the more we see that. That's what it's going to take to see miracles back in the church. The anointing takes ordinary people and gives them extraordinary ability. I'm going to read that again. The anointing takes ordinary people and gives them extraordinary ability. In other words, you're not doing things in your strength anymore. The power of God is operating through you because he desires to do a work in you so that he could do a work through you. The anointing carries great promise of strength. By the way, it carries protection. Victory over the enemy. Whenever you follow God's ways, you're protected. Victory over the enemy, authority, power, and much more. Yet it also carries a price, and that price is total and complete, 100% death to self, and it comes through prayer. Which is why I want to encourage you not to skip Thursday. Furthermore, this prayer and this dying doesn't just happen on Thursday. It happens every day. It's a daily thing. I died daily, Paul said. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 31, I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. Daily. It's a daily process. And it's not talking about a physical death. It's talking about our will. It's talking about our way. It's talking about sin. I want to encourage those that are struggling with these things, struggling with sin, that this dying daily thing that happens, it's a process. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you die. I die to self so I can live for Christ. And that's the cost. Are you ready to put a bow on it this morning? Wrap it up, put a bow on it. I want every person here to close your eyes. Let's count the cost this morning in each of our lives. You might want to get on your knees and in front of your chair. You might, I, don't, I don't know what you want to do this morning. But I want to leave here different this morning saying, God, right now, just tell them. This is between you and God. This is the altar call this morning. Lord, I count the cost and I surrender to you, but only do it if you mean it. Lord, expose to me, show me the things in my life that are not pleasing to you. Father, I ask for a release of the fear of God of every, on every person that's in here. Lord, show us your will and show us your way. And there's somebody in here right now, the Lord is saying you need to repent of putting words in God's mouth and using his name for your way. Lord, we repent for that this morning where we've said, okay, God told me, God said. Lord, we repent of that this morning in Jesus' name.
That's it. You repent, it's done, it's over. Lord, show us, expose to us in Jesus' name. We ask for the fear of the Lord and we ask for your anointing as we count this cost. Lord, repentance is a beautiful word. It's not a dirty word. We repent, create in us clean hands and a pure heart. Renew in us a steadfast spirit. And as we do that, give us the anointing to do supernaturally what we can't do in our own ability in Jesus' name. If you're in agreement with that, would you say amen? Hey, I want to encourage those of you that are really believing God for breakthrough in an area this morning, whatever it might be in your life, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's the, the enemy's been lying to you, he's had you in fear over a situation. When you get into the presence of God and you say, Lord, remove this from me, he'll do what you ask him to do. When you say, Lord, expose this sin, help me with this, he'll do it. I've asked him those things before and showed up in the week after he exposed it. It was not fun, but it was beautiful. You go, that sounds sick. It, it, it is, it is. It gets rid of the sick that's in you and it makes you whole. How many of you know we're after wholeness in this room? There's no judgment here. We're after wholeness in this room. That's all we care about is that you're in right standing with Jesus and better to do it on this side, trust me. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your anointing. We count the cost and we thank you, Lord, for a week of operating in the supernatural in the anointing in Jesus' name. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week. Thank you guys for coming out. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it and share it on social media or jump onto our website, hopecovenant.cc and click on our giving link and help us continue to share the message of Jesus across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.